Welcome to How's the Bite. It's the weekend before Thanksgiving. The weather has been warmer than normal. The fishing has been great. I'm Ken Root with Bob Urban, owner of Murray Outdoors on the south end of Guttenberg under the Big Walleye. Hey, Bob, last week I quoted you as saying, this is the best fishing on the upper Mississippi in 10 years. Are you still thinking that? I am, Ken, and, and I've actually heard it from a few gentlemen since I said that, too. It's probably a decade worth of fishing. Some of the, and, and I'm talking size, the bite, um, the different species of fish you can catch that are pretty decent. So it's been, it's been a really good year, a really good fall bite, and it's continuing here uh, as the weather has been decent. But it's going to be a little chilly next week, so... We're just recommending everybody don't put the boats away. Come out today, tomorrow, Sunday, until we get into that uh, cold stretch where the fair weather guys will they'll put their boats away, but we will still have some diehards out next week. Well, it's great to know that you can, uh, you know, don your coveralls and uh, get out and you're not just uh, worried about being cold because if you start catching fish, I think that tends to warm you up and liven you up. How is the uh, water temperature and the water level? Water level, we're at five foot today, Ken. It's just staying right around there. So the project that they're going to do, Ken, they're they're eventually going to extend that boat ramp. We were having trouble when we were down to, you know, four foot this summer. So they're going to extend that and pour that. But we we just haven't had the river came up, and then now they don't have it finished yet. So wondering when that's going to happen. We're not really sure, but people are still using the ramp. Uh, Wednesday, Ken, it was almost 70 degrees here, and we had 40 boats down there. Um, trailers. So it's it's been a really good week, a really busy week. People this summer did back off the end of that ramp with their boat trailers. So just make sure you're not doing that. Um, be cautious. There are some signs down there where it ends. Um, and that's the south ramp, uh, the south marina ramp, the city ramp, they call it here, north of the big walleye, but south of the dam. You know, Tanner Spidell is one of our guests today, really a very interesting young man in the interview that he has. We'll have a little fun with it as well. But he says that he fears a major fish kill this winter on these interior rivers and also on lakes and ponds if we don't get rain to support this uh, ecosystem that's uh, non-Mississippi. He's probably right. The rivers, sometimes the fish can sense that. They'll come they'll get out of those areas and, and be able to sneak out. Fish can get in and, you know, they only need about three, four inches of water to turn sideways, get out of some of those sloughs that they are having low oxygen levels, but can, they can't get out of ponds and they can't get out of lakes, small lakes and stuff. If some of those areas and, and they'll lose oxygen that way, the river's always kind of running and it's providing oxygen. We don't have too many issues there on that, but he's definitely right about ponds. If we get a cold winter, with these low levels, a lot of these ponds are one to two foot down, if not more, um, just to due to due to lack of rainfall. And I think think that's going to be an issue, um, yep. especially we're going to be forming ice. I think next week uh, we're in the highs in the 30, you know, low 30s and the lows down in the teens. If the wind stays away, we'll we'll be building some ice next week on those ponds. What would you project then? Uh, when would it be perhaps safe to start ice fishing if we? keep the cold going based on traditional years Ooh, we're talking about prizes i think last year i made a guess on the calendar i am going to make a guess that some goofball not saying that this is safe whatsoever 
whoever that is, make sure they know the number for 911. But I'm going to say, I don't know. I looked at the 10 day. I'm going to say October or November 29th, somebody's going to be out there somewhere. Really? And that I'll early? Let you, yep. It only takes five to seven days in the teens for the lows for us on Bussy Lake. So I'm going to guess, uh, going to guess that's it. They get wet. They might get wet, but let's check that out. Let's, Let's see. What's your guess for first ice? It's actually it's uh, five o'clock this afternoon. First ice. <laughs> oh, I got you for your drink. We've got another interview today, and that is with uh, Rocky Salant, who is a good friend of yours, a lure manufacturer. Rocky's wife joins us, and they talk about their uh, fifty years of marriage. And then Tanner, in his discussion with us, Tanner Spidell, who's a just over thirty. He is telling me, even in our interview, that he is getting close to asking uh, Meredith Glenn to marry him. And so I wondered if we could have a little quiz, a little game. You posted on Facebook, maybe. As a fisherman, how would you recommend you propose to a woman? Would that be fun? Like the most creative way type thing? Well, something that's subtle and proper you know getting on one knee would get you drowned um or at least cold and uh but you know there's i'm just curious so uh will you post that question and we uh maybe we can make a little prize and win a game yeah yeah we could do that uh so when i release the the podcast here on facebook on our facebook page i'll make mm-hmm. a comment and we'll talk about uh the game i told tanner i wasn't going to be involved in this whatsoever so this is all you, um, but I will assist just kind of like netting a fish, you know, I'll, I'll net this, this project for you. So, um, okay. we'll, we'll go with that for Tanner. Cause well, I, it looks I like, like Tanner, I like Tanner because of his fishing. Um, and I am a little jealous cause his, his girlfriend is right there with him all the time fishing and they're both enjoying the outdoors, but Hopefully that's the, the right one, and it seems like it is, and, and everything works out for both of them. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, let's just pick up that interview with Tanner Spidell right now. Bob, let's go to Tanner Spidell, who is an avid fisherman, and we see his beautiful pictures that come out on Facebook. Not only the pictures beautiful, the girlfriend is beautiful as well, and we'll talk about her if you would like a little later on. But, Tanner, how are you doing on this November day? Oh, I'm doing great. But, uh, thanks for the comments on my girlfriend. That's pretty nice of you. Well, you uh, seem to be living the life, everything in the boat you love, and everything you pull into the boat you love to catch. So uh, how is the fishing for you late season? It looks good. The fishing has been really good, actually. Um I've caught a lot of walleye in the past five weeks, and I hope to catch a good handful more before it gets cold here coming up quick. Are you um, fishing mostly interior rivers? I, I haven't seen much of you in uh, in the Mississippi. Nope, I'm just fishing some uh, Iowa smaller interior rivers, and they're, uh, the walleye fishing has been great, um, as it should be this time of the season, but with our low water conditions, it's pretty easy to find some of these fish. I was talking to a guy over in the Cedar Rapids area, and he said 
there are people there that this summer were wading out to the holes in the rivers. You couldn't get there really any other way, maybe a kayak or a canoe, but nothing else. And they were catching a lot of fish because the fish were pretty much pinned in. Is that accurate? Yeah, that is pretty accurate in some areas. And um, unfortunately, I'm afraid that if we have a bad winter, um, we're going to see some pretty major fish kills off in, in the Midwest. I'm, I've gotten that from DNR, that they're exactly worried about the same thing. But, you know, hopefully we're going to get a rise in this. I mean, this it's ridiculous to have had the kind of flow the Mississippi had last spring when it was flowing through almost a desert in our part of the world. And that, you know, our corn crop suffered somewhat because of it. And yet, you know, here we are. Some of the best fishing in the last 10 years on the Mississippi and good fishing where you've been, but there's this this looming threat that's a little frightening. Oh, I mean, it sure is. I mean, we have a family farm pond, and we let the we filled it up with water a few times this summer just to make sure that those fish weren't going to die. But and unfortunately, many of the lakes rivers around here just just so low. It's not many holes left, and there's actually a few creeks in the neighborhood that are totally dry, which I've never seen go dry in my life, which is totally different too. You are you're under thirty, aren't you? I'm a thirty-three actually. Tell me for the people who want to fish in these interior rivers, uh, not where you're catching fish, but how you're doing it. Well, to tell you the truth, um, a lot of these fish would hit about anything if you could get baits within their face. Like a walleye, for example, if you put a jig in front of their face, they're probably going to hit it. But a lot of people make a mistake of using stuff that doesn't go down deep enough or they can't feel what's going on, and they're going to lose a lot of fish because of that. If they use you know, jig and twister tail or stuff like that, you know, you want to match your weight to the type of water you're in. You know, if you're in shallow flow water, use a light jig. And if you're in a little bit faster water, use a heavier jig, you know, so you can still establish bottom. A lot of times, if you're not establishing bottom, you're probably not going to get any fish. And, you know, if you're not getting snagged, you're probably not where those walleye are going to be stacked up. And it takes a little bit of figuring out. You know, line is also a factor. If you have too heavy of a braided line, you're not going to feel your bite. You know, anywhere from 6 to probably 10-pound test is what I recommend for line, but anything over that, you're not going to feel your bites. Well, it sounds like that uh, you've got it uh, down to kind of a science. You uh, catch your fish on a uh, St. Croix rod. I know you're, you're a spokesperson for St. Croix. What do you think of the quality of those rods of giving you that feel you need to catch those fish? Oh, it's absolutely awesome. I mean, you know, parts don't make a player, but if a player knows how to use the tool, it really helps them out. You know, my these St. Croix rods, they're so sensitive. I can I can tell you if I'm my jigs running through sand or if I'm hitting rocks or if there's a mud bottom sometimes you can tell that stickiness of the bottom. But they're great. I've never really had any issues with them, but, you know, a lot of these walleye guys, you're seeing them with St. Croix, too, so, you know, the they kind of sell themselves because they're worth, worth the money. What is floating you nowadays? Are you in a kayak or a canoe, or it depends on whether it's you or you and the significant other? Well, my girlfriend and I, um, Meredith, she uh, really likes to go out 
in the kayak and canoe, but it's a lot easier for us to take my little, you know, electric trolling motor powered canoe out and just catch fish. And I've got a, I've got a little two and a half horse motor for that. And plus just a lot of batteries for the trolling motor. So if we want to go play, go a few miles up a river in the canoe, we can totally do that. But, you know, right. I've been fishing from the bank to tell you the truth. It's just, you know, I get off work and it's just about dark or dark already, you know, I'll fish all night fish from the bank and it's just safer for me to fish like that instead of trying to get my kayak out and put it in the river. Yeah. Speaking of uh, night fishing, I've seen some of your pictures and anybody that wants to see you on Facebook, how can they do so? Oh, just look up my name, Tanner Spidell. Family friendly, but it's just, I just use it as a, you know, a place to post stuff for my sponsors and my outdoor photos and stuff. But yeah, they feel free to look at me there. It's totally fine. I post videos there sometimes too. Kind of a fun thing I like to do. Well, Tanner, tell me about how you can fish for walleye in the dark. You got to know where you are and find those places that work. You're just not fishing randomly when you go out in the dark. You're going back to places you know, aren't you? Well, generally, yeah. And I mean, fishing at night had so many different levels to it. I mean, for one, it's dangerous. For two, you can't see anything. I fish a lot of these places during the day and I could about draw a picture of, you know, where to step and plus what the bottom looks like. So I've been running my jig through here, but while I feed actively at night and they'll come really shallow i mean you might have been fishing during the day and not seen any walleyes up shallow and then come nighttime they'll start coming up shallow and they might surprise you how close they'll actually get because in how shallow they will actually come up about once a week i'll save a few walleyes and um just clean them out and everything and then i'll you know examine what they've been eating and a lot of these walleyes here have been eating really really big shad and uh, it's been funny to see that. I mean, I know that walleye will pursue and eat big baits, but some of these shad that I saw were just absolutely monster shad. So it was like, guys shouldn't be afraid to upsize some of their baits because the walleye chased some pretty big stuff. So you are catching quite a few slot fish, I would think. What's the biggest, if you wouldn't mind saying, that you're catching later? Oh, goodness. To be honest, I haven't had any real big fish. Maybe... 25 26 inches maybe is my biggest this this fall around my neighborhood i have some friends that have caught some way bigger ones but um you know and that's what i'm after i've just been catching all these fish trying to catch my big one and i'm eventually going to get there i think but it's been fun catching all these fish regardless now i come to the the big question how on earth did you find a woman who looks like i mean the smile on her face is huge and her uh, beauty is uh, very great. How did you find a woman like that to go fishing with you? Oh, my gosh. You're telling me I'm really the luckiest guy ever. I mean, we kind of met through a through a friend. She started working with a friend, and I asked him about her, and he said that she was a good girl. And then later she asked him about me, and he said that I was a good guy. And then we we started hanging out and just found out that, we really sync up a lot and her name is uh, Meredith Glenn, but she loves coming on trips with me and she's super smart and outdoorsy and she's getting better at catching fish. So I'm just a super lucky guy and <laughs> I'm super thankful you said that because I can definitely see that I'm a lucky guy for having such a wonderful woman like that. Well, that is beautiful. I was just thinking of uh, whether you could say, hey, Meredith, 
Look what I found on the bottom of the river right here. <laughs> or, you know, look at this fish. I can't believe he's been eating this. Oh, uh, well, there's a number of things you could do here. Oh, yes. I get where you're going with that, and that'll probably be a that'll become a reality sometime here in the future. There's no doubt about that. But I hope you have a uh, great holiday, and uh, thank you very much because you are an avid fisherman. I mean, regardless of your youth, you know what you're doing, and you're showing it off very nicely. So I salute you for the for the commercial aspect of it that you're doing to give you a little bit of of extra at least equipment. And the fact that you work all day, you drill wells, don't you? Water wells? Yeah, correct. And then you fish half the night, and then you're still game to go again. I was that age once, but it's been a long time ago. <laughs> well, uh, hey, I appreciate your call, and um, feel free to talk talk whenever. I'd always be happy to give you a rundown on how the fishing is in the area, but I really appreciate all the kind words. and. Um, if you're ever back up in Iowa and want to catch a fish, you just let me know. All right. I'll be back next spring. Thank you very much, Tanner. You take care. So, Bob, I really think that he is going to keep pursuing her until she catches him. <laughs> I talked to her a few times. I just know Tanner quite a bit. We'll have her on the podcast. Well, maybe so. Yeah, that could work out really well. Well, um, what else is going on in the store? I understand Larry got to come back this last week. He did. He did. He mentioned he was going to come back for, for a little bit. He's looking good. I just talked to him this morning. He was up again, um, just hanging out, talking with the guys, and he's looking really good. He's looking really healthy. He had a little bit of a health scare there, but he's getting everything taken care of, and and he's looking good. He's back on Wednesdays. He's going to move to Wednesdays. If anybody wants to see him Wednesdays, he's going to be here at the store. And and uh, he's doing really well. That's all we can ask for. And he's excited yeah. to be back. He missed he missed what we got going here and some of the guys. So. I tell you what, when he walks in the store, no matter how many people are there, he doubles the IQ of the place. Yeah. <laughs> that's pro- in, in some cases, that's definitely true. <laughs> How are sales going this time of year? What are you selling most of? Well, did you hear the cash register here? I yes, I, I hear it all the time during this uh, this audio track recording. Well, yeah, this uh, we just sold some split shot, and I think what this gentleman's doing, he's going out perch fishing. We did some split shot sales to him, and uh, that's kind of a trick. You can just put a split shot of gold hook and a red worm. He's going down and fishing the DNR ramp area or uh, fishing the marina area, um, the south marina there for perch. I talked to Rocky Salant, and his wife joined into this, and uh, Rocky is a long-timer in manufacturing lures and making a living at it. So, uh, Bob, check this out. Bob, let's go over to Rocky Salem. You told me that you thought he was fishing. I know he's working a lot, so let's just see what he's up to. Rocky, we talked to you a while back. You're over at Waterloo. You've been doing work since the early 80s and tying your own lures. You're kind of a personal success story. Maybe you should write a book about how to succeed in business, you know? (laughs) Just lucky, I guess. Well, lots better than anything else, especially in fishing. 
How are you doing regarding and enjoying yourself fishing right now? Well, I'm out there able to get out there fishing. I've been doing pretty good, having a good time. Any time out there, even if I'm not catching fish, I'm having a good time on the float up to Guttenberg, talking to people and stuff, or out in the boat, talking to people, whatever. It's always a good time. Yeah, well, I think that's the whole idea of it. If you can enjoy what you're doing, the fishing is just extra, you know? Yeah. That's uh, wonderful if it's that way. Well, give me a little bit of overview of uh, what you've been catching uh, here in uh, the saltwater season. Mostly I've been after uh, walleye and saugers, but now up in Guttenberg I did go after some crappies and had a little bit of luck. I ended up uh, keeping four in about an hour and a half, and two of them were 13 inches, so that was good. Did you happen to use any of your own jigs to catch them? <laughs> That's all I use. I don't use no bait. <laughs> well, what type of jigs do you make that you recommend for crappie right now? The main one that we use is a, like a 132nd or 116th ounce chrome head with a what I call a pearl mono flashy tail on it. Or else I do use a, the little tube jigs that you can buy at almost any bait shop. Uh, they work good, too. I, I like the sharp red uh, head with the chartreuse tail on it. You've told me before, and we'll learn something here, I think, even a small amount of weight difference makes a fish either want to bite or not. Is that your philosophy? Oh, yes. I like to use the lightest lure that I can normally use and feel adequate as far as what I'm after fishing for. Well, out there on that barge, do you need a little more weight to get down where you need to go and keep control of it? Most people out on the barge are using three-quarter ounce. I'm usually using anywhere from a 5-16th to, well, last time I was using a 5-8th, but usually it's a 5-16th or a half ounce. Now, I remember you telling me you were a one-man band, and during the COVID period, it nearly worked you to death. Is that right? Oh, I've been working from the time I get up in the morning until, which is usually 5.30 or 6, until about 10.30 or 11 at night. My goodness. It's, you can't get good help or you don't want good help, which is Nobody will work for what I make an hour making the lures. It's a very time-consuming uh, process. Well, we won't go into your wife since uh, she didn't want to do it like you wanted to, so she quit right before you fired her. Is that right? Uh, yeah. She says I'm way too picky. Uh, she was trying to paint for me, and uh, she had two coats of paint on, which I put, like, two coats of white and then two coats of color over it, and it looked like only one coat on it. And I told her it would look good when you put another coat on, and she says, there's two coats, and she goes, I'm not putting another coat on. Well, now, with all of that, though, as I recall, the last time you were in the store and I was in uh, Murray Bait and Tackle, you were celebrating 50 years, and she was there with you, and she seemed to be smiling and unarmed. <laughs> no, we've been very fortunate. 50 years is pretty good accomplishment, and 
we very, very seldom ever have an argument. Well, that is that is wonderful. He's the boss, you know. <laughs> oh, there you are, huh? Yeah, I hear you talking. Yeah. Well, what is it about Rocky that uh, you can tell us that are his good characteristics? Uh, he's real friendly. He'll do anything for you, and he tries to make everybody happy with his gigs, getting them done on time, and all that good stuff. Takes me on uh, vacations and trips. And Do you work as a job yourself, or have you in the past, to get away from him? <laughs> uh, well, to get away from him, I usually go shopping, or I go to the swimming pool and exercise and that kind of stuff. Well, yep. Shirley and uh, Rocky, uh, that's wonderful to hear. Let me ask Rocky one more area, and that is on ice fishing. Coming up for that season, what do you recommend people are using for ice fishing? Because I know that's a specialty of yours. Yes, I uh, make what I call a twin ring. And since I started making them, I have not used my regular ice jigs that I make, which I sell a ton of. But the twin rings, I don't use any bait on them. And most of the time, I can outfish most of the people on the ice that are even using bait. It's just a really remarkable lure I worked on and figured out, you know, how to put the right hook, the right flipper blade and everything on there. And really seems to work good. What's the action, Rocky, you're trying to make it do? When it's going down, the main thing I'm trying to do is keep the flipper blade where it flips so it's sending off a silver shine, you know, to help attract the uh-huh. fish to the main body. And some days a paint makes a difference. Other days you can catch them on almost any color. Rocky's... Uh... Jigs and lures, is that correct? Uh, yeah, I call it Rocky's Flies and Jigs. Uh, back in 82, when I started my business, I mainly made flies. But I kind of got away from them. They're more time-consuming, and now I'm mainly into all the other lures, spinnerbaits, buzzbaits, like a one eye, two eye. I call them jiggets, uh, jigs, of course. Up there at the river... Uh, Murray's bait and uh, Jamie's float there in Guttenberg. They've been selling just tons of jigs up there. It's been crazy this year. Well, Bob has spoken highly of yours and how many of them that he has been selling. Okay, Rocky, I want to ask you a question about Murray Bait and Tackle and Bob Urban. The answer is, it's incredible. He's wonderful. How do you find Bob's to be a good place to sell your lures and jigs? Real good. Before he bought it, a lady named Beth owned it, and she was a very good uh, person. Kept, you know, normally two cards of each good seller on the wall. Now with Bob, a lot of times he wants six cards of each on the wall. Nothing wrong with that. That's that space in the grocery store you got to pay for, and you don't have to at his place. So uh, the more he displays, the more that he sells, I would think, and the more you benefit. So what a great symbiotic relationship. Yeah, he's been very good. I was kind of afraid when he bought it because I know he has a lure business also, and I thought, well, I might lose one of my 
busier places, but no, since he's bought it, I've been way busier. Well, that's wonderful. A great place to buy lures and jigs, uh, very bait and tackle, a great guy to make them. Uh, Rockies, and Rocky, to you, and surely I wish you guys many more years of married bliss. Well, thank you very much. All right. Take care. Okay. You have a good day, Ken. So even though, Bob, I had to uh, pimp him and make sure that he knew the answer to the question of what do you think of Bob Urban, uh, he's quite a good guy. I'm a little disappointed you spent some time with him because he's about 28 dozen jigs behind. And I do need I do need those on the wall for the weekend, Ken. So hopefully that that interview went short and sweet. So he works more silently than you do. So I think he was assembling jigs. But he told me he gets up about 5:30 in the morning, and a lot of times he quits at night about 9:30 or 10, and he has been working as a one-man band all day and all evening. That explains. That actually explains a lot because. He fished over the weekend, and then he'll come. He's coming this weekend again, and I have to send him home because everything that he brought me last weekend, we're just we just sold. So I send mm. him home, and I'm like, "How does I know what he ties an hour? Because he does about six to eight more than I can do an hour. He's just quick at it. He's got a pretty knack, and then he ties a stinger hook on his, which is the little cheater hook on the back. And guys just love that, so they come in and buy all of them. But yeah, he's. He's pretty tedious, and he gets it done a little bit quicker. But I'm doing the math on 28 dozen. I'm like, how? Yeah, he's not working eight-hour days. That's definitely sure. Well, he might be selling to somebody else besides you, even though apparently you are one of his top customers. Yeah, Jamie and I pretty much take up his time, I believe, right now. He does have some other customers. But in the fall, he, he does a really good job dedicating to us. Right now I'm looking at the wall. Um, anything purple in three quarter, anything blue in three quarter. We're sitting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eleven. We're sitting about fifteen dozen just empty slots. Sixteen, sixteen, seventeen, seventeen dozen empty slots that I need him to uh, fill up. And I think he's coming either today or tomorrow. He's coming to fill us up for the last, probably the last hurrah for the hair jig bite. One thing about Rocky, he said. He uses his own stuff, and he's got an ice fishing jig as well that's a twin ring that he claims is uh, great, and you don't need bait. Yeah, Rocky uh, Rocky has twin rings here. We're just getting that all switched over, Ken. I'm glad you asked about ice fishing. Next week, I do want to mention our thanks jigging day sale. You heard it right. I'm a dad. Uh, you're a grandpa. Grandpa joke, dad joke. I don't know what that is, but thanks jigging day sale. Um, we have next Friday, Black Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So every jig in the store will be on sale. We'll make some really good deals on ice. We're actually open Thanksgiving if anybody wants to fish. The reason we're going to be open Thanksgiving, we're going to be here switching everything over uh, to ice season. So that's my plan for Thanksgiving. We have some plans in the evening, but uh, we're going to be setting that up, transforming the store to ice. So that's going to be our goal on Thanksgiving Day, just do a switchover, kind of an eight-hour switchover, and get everybody ready for ice season because that's that's coming. Well, that sounds uh, wonderful and uh, responsible. And I'm very glad that Larry's back with you. I'm glad you have all your other folks from uh, uh, Ben on through and Ava 
And uh, I wish you a good Thanksgiving, Bob, and hopefully folks who are out there can be safe and catch fish on this remarkable year. Same thing for you. What are you guys going to be? We're going to be a high of 30 next week, maybe around Thanksgiving. What is your forecast down there? What's the weather like down in Florida? Definitely above freezing. Six inches of rain yesterday. And uh, this tropical depression, which I thought was just poor people in Cuba, apparently is moving on up over the top of us. And uh, it's just passing out of here now. But we'll be back in the sunshine and orange juice and beautiful weather here in just a day or so. And then uh, is that is hurricane season, is that coming up or when is that? Hurricane season officially ends at the end of November. Okay. And there were no major storms that hit Florida this year. We had enough a year ago with Ian, but this year we were not hit. And the hope is that we're on a 20-year cycle and it's over. Good, good, good. Yeah, I knew it was coming, either coming up or ending. So that's this depression might be the last one, hopefully. I hope that it is. And uh, now we can move on into uh, an El Nino year that's supposedly going to make Florida cold in February, relatively speaking. Several years ago on an El Nino year, the coldest city in America, guess what it was? Somewhere in Alaska? Miami. Oh, based on averages? Based on departure from normal. I gotcha. Huh. So it is something, and uh, some of the people here acted like that there was no... Winter of their norm here in Florida that year. They had to put a sweatshirt on. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week, Bob. Work hard. Hey, thanks. Yeah, thanks. Happy Thanksgiving, Ken.